filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. been a while since I started the show talking about my kids so I'm going to take this opportunity to do that and and also to thank Jim the guy who runs uh, at United Night Out on Twitter because he hooked up me and more specifically my my six-year-old daughter with a uh, DC United pride scarf that that she was very excited to uh, to receive Uh, Jim has occasional giveaways of of his pride gear on on Twitter and uh my daughter and I managed to to win one a win a scarf, and um, he he very quickly mailed it to us, and it was very nice, and um, we're happy to have him in in the fan base. I think he was fan of the night uh, for one for a recent broadcast. Uh, Dave Johnson shouted him out on the air, and he he does a lot of good work, including sending scarves to to other fans. Um, and my my kid was very happy to to receive one uh, from one of Jim's Twitter giveaways. So I just wanted to say thank you to to him to start the show and and shout him out. I, I think he was one of the original organizers of United Night Out, which, which is United's Pride Night. And I think it was the first Pride Night in MLS um, officially. Um, so, you know, he he does real good work and he has for for a long time. So I wanted to, to just say hey to him. Yeah, uh, I, I'm lucky enough to have also won one of those uh, contests. I won a, uh, a shirt from, I, I want to say 2018's Pride Night, but I might have my chronology incorrect um but yeah uh give him a follow and uh try and try and win a contest uh you you might just get a free shirt or something the 2018 pride night was um that was wayne rooney's midfield goal was it was that the same night i that i know they were wearing at least the team was wearing pride numbers Mm -hmm. on for for that goal um so i think that was the pride night but i i'm not a hundred yeah, yeah, it was because I bought a couple of um, pride koozies that night and watched the game from the Heineken rooftop. Okay, and so uh, I got to watch that goal as he shot it basically right at uh, me and my friend Trevor, who who was up there with me. So that was a fun angle for that specific goal um, on Pride Night. Hey, hey, welcome in. It's filibuster the the Black and Red United and winning free gear from Jim Podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. Uh, joined as always by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley, who unfortunately has not won one of Jim's giveaways. I haven't. I'm bad at giveaways. Uh, yeah, that's that's fair. You should you should get better. I think I think I've the only giveaway I've won DC United related was I won a late '90s third jersey XXL. Uh, through a trivia contest that uh, the DCU team store put on. I also got one of those jerseys, but not from the team store. I think um, another Ben actually had won two of the, or won a jersey that didn't fit him. And so he gave it to me. So I have a 98 jersey because of, because of that. 
so yeah, I, I, I like it when other people win giveaways and then give away the stuff. It's very nice for me. Uh, we are all from blackandredunited.com where we talk about DC United. That's what we're doing tonight. Uh, in this segment, we will talk about the unfortunate loss in New England. And the next segment, we will mm-hmm. have an interview with Alicia Rodriguez, good friend of the show who's been on, I think, every season that we've existed as a podcast, basically. Um, if not, then something very close to that. Uh, she's going to help us break down the various games that matter on decision day this coming Sunday for um, for DC United's playoff chances, which are slim but still existent after the loss and after uh, the the Chicago Fire result tonight. Um, spoiler: we actually have we actually pre-recorded that interview with Alicia. Uh, before we get into this segment, though, Ben, what are you drinking? So I'm drinking a Manhattan, but I'm drinking it with rye tonight. Um, I got a Manhattan. Yes. And I got a Virginia rye uh, to use as my main base. I got a Catoctin Creek uh, brownstone rye out of uh, Northern Virginia. And uh, it's a little pricey, uh, but it's a good rye. I'm enjoying it. It's, it's, fruity and spicy and goes well in uh a manhattan so yeah i'm enjoying it that's a that's a very good rye yeah that that is a good one there's no way around it yeah (laughs) jason what are you drinking uh well we're recording on wednesday and some stuff happened on tuesday uh and i decided that one of the things i was going to have on hand for whatever it was on tuesday uh, was I was going to make sure I had some good beers on hand. Uh, so I went out and got myself, uh, I actually ended up, I didn't really have a plan uh, other than I wanted some good local beer. So I ended up getting two different uh, six packs from Duke Claw Brewing from uh, Baltimore. And what I'm drinking right now is uh, uh, Duke Claw's Mad Bishop, which is uh, their Oktoberfest. Um, Oktoberfest season is kind of, ending but you still can find some of the seasonal versions uh if you if you look for them uh and so this was one of the only ones left so i grabbed this uh, i also got their sweet baby jesus which is a pretty well-known mm, yeah. duke claw nice. um what's interesting That's the, the chocolate Michigan, peanut butter right yes the, a chocolate peanut butter porter and yeah. what's interesting with this Oktoberfest is that the I, I don't know. I haven't read up on it or anything, but just from the uh, the aroma of this, I can tell that it's the same malt uh, as in the Sweet Baby Jesus because they both have a very, very, very similar uh, aroma or nose or however you'd like to put it um, <laughs> to such an extent that it was like, what is, what's happening? Like, this is an Oktoberfest, not a porter. These shouldn't smell this similar. Um but they're both really good. Um, if you if you happen to find yourself with access to a Duclaw, um, I don't know in the COVID era whether the one at the BWI airport is still open. But if it is still open and you do fly into BWI or fly out of BWI and you would like a beer, that's a good place to get one. I know there are um, there were several grocery stores in DC that carried Duclaw. I think Giant did for a time too. Uh, Jason, I have to ask you: Duclaw is very good, but they also name their beers very well. Um, which one do you rate higher, their names or the flavor? Uh, I think I'm going to go with flavor just barely. Um, but I do want to flavor as well. 
I'm going to throw in, I, I, this is visual, so it's only going to be good for you guys. Sorry to our <laughs> listeners. Um, but the can for the Mad Bishop includes oh, that's a, great can. a genuinely Mad Bishop. Uh, he's yep. got his little Bishop hat, <laughs> and he looks like he has lost his crazy his eyes. Um, yep. So, yeah, I, I'll give him, uh, you know, some respect for their uh, their can art as well. It's not necessarily flashy. Some, some brewers get it um, straight up, like, hire an artist to like a specifically not a someone who draws can art but someone who is an artist and they happen to do the art for one beer can um or a flying dog where you have an artist on retainer yeah um and and that's cool um but i i do like it when someone is is you know not necessarily super flashy about it but they're still consistently putting out cans that look uh pretty good and obviously this is um like many things in the COVID era, we're talking about a like sticker that's been applied to a can, uh, most likely right. because they're trying to reuse their or use can their existing stock. Um, I got some DC Brow a couple weeks ago, and it was yeah, they do that too. Um, it was definitely a can for a different DC Brow that they put the sticker over, like they'd already printed the can. But uh, they've been doing that for for a while. Where I don't even know if they print their cans or if they just get blank ones and do stickers as their mm-hmm. primary. No, this one you could see you could see just a little bit of the print for a different um, DC Brow uh, huh. run, but I'm sure they had. It's probably one of their major beers because they would have just ordered like well, let's order like a billion cans or I don't know what the can ordering quantities are. I've never ordered cans for a brewery. Um, a billion know, sounds about a billion, right. Yeah, one billion cans, please. Um, and so instead they're like, well, we can't use these cans because you know uh, we're going to make other beers. So let's let's get a sticker. One billion cans was maybe too many, as it turns out. Um, soccer, then? Uh, I guess. I guess. We got to get to it. Uh, I mean, uh, there was a lot of a lot of soccer happened in this game. There, the, I mean... <laughs> a lot of something uh, happened in this game. A few soccers happened. And it none... sure was wacky. Yeah. <laughs> it was wet and wacky and wild and... Anyway, a shorthanded DC United went up to New England, got themselves into a very rainy goal fest. Uh, that's not how I thought I would be describing this game when it when it kicked off, but but here we are. The black and red got out to an early two nothing lead before uh, blowing it entirely, and then coming back from three and to quickly. two down. Yeah, coming back from three to two down only to fall four to three. Um, so many goals. I'm not even going to get into. To all of them directly we'll we'll probably touch on most of them over the course of this but seven goals is too many to break each of them down so let's just start with chad ashton starting 11 with this um very shorthanded team only four field players on the bench for this and zero healthy backline starters or available i should say backline starters um you can make the case that donovan pines deserves a, a starting spot no matter who's available but yeah. i i think i think the the fact remains that he's not an in ink starter there's frederick briant and steven birnbaum um at least arguably ahead of him on on the the team sheet or on the the roster so you had you had him and russell Knaus in central defense kevin paredes and o'neill fisher uh on the flanks four guys who are not natural starters uh at least when the season started uh and the result is four goals yeah uh unfortunately you know new england uh i will give credit uh to them for their halftime adjustment which was to 
absolutely throw the kitchen sink at DC and see if it works. Um, Run really they, fast. They so yep. they started in their normal four two three one, and it was a pretty as far as a selection of players go, it was a pretty attacking version of that because this is Tommy McNamara playing the eight um, rather than having two true holding midfielders. They were already kind of going for it with this lineup. Um, they took the chance on Carlos Hill. Uh, as a starter rather than bringing him off the bench. Um, and at halftime, it was only 2-1, and Bruce Arena decided, you know, uh, kind of to say, screw it. Let's see what let's see what happens if we let if it ride. really go all out after this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he brings in uh, Gustavo Bo for Scott Caldwell. And so they were playing with McNamara as the six in a 4-4-2, like, a, like the dreaded wide diamond that uh, – People, when we hear Bruce Arena and Y Diamond, we associate it with uh, Kuva for a reason. Um, Unfortunately, it worked but, better this time. Yeah, well, it, it you know it turns out if you are absolutely just throwing everyone forward like crazy, it can pan out um, because it does and give you so many attacking players. And especially if you can just outscore the defense you're playing against is bad enough that you can just outscore them in a goal fest, it it works out. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, it, the reason I, I, I feel like it's fair to be critical of the overall defending from DC is not just four goals. It's that not only did New England score four goals, but Bill Hamid was probably DC's best player in this game. Yeah, um, it could have been six. Yeah, the, the expected goals really bore out that the Rebs created a ton of very, very good scoring chances. And in fact, most of their good scoring chances Hamid made a save on, and, and a couple of their goals were some of their lesser scoring chances. Um, but the big ones, if you go find the little, um, I think Ben Bayer from MLS Soccer puts out a, a helpful map. Um, and his map, you can see the gi- the bigger the circle, the bigger the scoring chance. And the revs, uh, the area for the revs is just full of big blue circles all throughout DC United's penalty area. Um, and the blue ones are the ones that were big chances that weren't converted. And so, you know, a big shout out to Bill Hamid for keeping them in this game, because realistically, as much as it's good to get out to nothing in front and you should never give away, you should get something out of a game. If you're up to nothing, you should never lose that game. Uh, but the something, way the something the most out, dangerous lead. Uh, it's to not. A extent, it's um, not. I um, but yeah, uh, the way this game played out, it could have been worse. Um, as much as it's nice to see DC kind of, you know, fans have been calling for this for a long time. And part of the push and pull within the fan base has been, well, sometimes the team isn't very good. And if we throw caution to the wind and kind of go for it on the road against a good attacking team is you might get smoked. And on another day, we're not talking about four, three, we might be talking more about like five, two or six, two. Um, yeah. And this is maybe the downside of of throwing caution to the wind a little bit. And because DC, this isn't a game where DC played on the counter and happened to get out in front. They were willing to go toe-to-toe with the Revs, and the game was crazy as a result. And, you know, unfortunately not, it didn't have a crazy enough finish for DC to, to pull themselves back level one more time. Yeah, that throwing caution to the wind um, when you don't, necessarily have the team for it that was kind of the story of 2010 where ben olsen actually did his first year as interim head coach he tried to play a lot of the time and it just the team wasn't good enough um like like jason said i I was going to bring up bill hamid later in the segment but since we're talking about him now it's it's weird to say when you ship four goals that the goalkeeper was arguably the man of the match but he 
he yeah. was for DC United. Yeah. Like there's a he strong sure case to be made. Um, I think Edison Flores deserves a shot. We'll talk about him sure. in a minute, but um, Bill Hamid was really, really good. Uh, and just happened, you know, the penalty and, and a rebound that you, you know, you're going to give up a rebound on a one V one point blank if it's on target, like, and it just happened to roll to the wrong spot. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. you can do about it. Like Bill Hamid hadn't was not at fault on any of the goals um, and, and saved several others. So um, can, can shouts I just to him say, on an otherwise bad night for the team. I, I will say this penalty kick was not in my mind was clearly not a penalty. It was a foul on Adam Buxa. Um And there wasn't a lot of, like, I was kind of surprised that people weren't complaining about it. But like, if you watch this play again, Adam Buxa makes sure that he has a full handful of Knauss' jersey and then pulls him to the ground. And this is the second time this season where Knaus has been the victim of a bad call because he gets has gotten a yellow card because of it. down and ends up tripping somebody else because he has fallen. But the only reason he has fallen is because he was fouled. Um, yeah, I think the reason I didn't make more of a stink is because I didn't see the replay from behind the goal mm-hmm. um, during the broadcast. I saw it watching the the highlights of it afterwards. But um, on the main camera angle, Knaus's front and the the, the shirt that Buxa grabs, is, you can't see. It looks like Knaus, and this is the referee's angle too. It sure. looks like Knaus is is grabbing him. I don't know why VAR when they saw yes. the this the was- view from behind the goal. Like the ref couldn't have seen the grab by Buxa. He just right. physically because this of the is nature why we have of life. Yeah, this is but, why you're the only reason Knaus falls is because he's pulled to ground by Buxa. It, it shouldn't have been a penalty, but it, it if happened. We're, if we're going to have these robot AIs, we might as well have them for good instead of just uh, taking over our civilization. Or deciding that the, the bald assistant referee at, yes. at midfield right. is, in fact, a ball that should be followed. Um, yes. And look, I, I will say... Not in in Buxa's defense, but more of a just a pointer that people can look for. Um, when you're looking for good center forward play, um, this is a thing that you see center forwards do and get away with. Because one, yeah. there is a tendency to assume that defenders commit fouls and attackers get fouled. Um, and so subconsciously or consciously, referees are assuming that the, the forward is not going to be the one committing a foul first. And this does make a difference when you're talking about split second decisions. Um, this is something that Josie Altador is maybe the best in the league at is initiating contact, committing a foul and not getting caught um, and using that foul to create space for himself. Um, if you watched, uh, not that this is a forward and not that this is MLS, but if you happen to watch um, the women's FA cup final with um uh, Man City going on to beat Everton. Uh, Sam Mewis scores a goal, and I, if you look through my Twitter feed, there, if if you scroll far enough, you'll find uh, a good clip of this where Sam Mewis is marked really well, and then as the corner kick is struck, she just shoves her opponent, her defender away. And since she's much larger than the other players, uh, she ends defender, up with a free header. Right, her defender is like six yards away from her as a result of just being like flung with a straight arm by a giant. Um, this is the thing that, it, you know, you, if you get caught, yes, you're going to get caught and the foul becomes, if the referee sees it, they're going to catch it and they're going to call you for a foul. But it's one of these risks that you take as an attacker and you say, look, if I commit just a little bit of a foul here, it, I might get away with it. And if I get away with it, look at what I get in return is I get 
a penalty kick or I get a free header from six yards or whatever. So, and the downside um, is the play is called dead and right. you're not going to get a yellow card for that. You know, when yeah, you're fighting for the cool. ball or, or setting yourself up like that as a forward, you're right. in, unless it's like a persistent infringement situation, you're just not going to get a yellow card. Right. So it, there's, there's very like, hey, little downside. You, buddy. And you're like, yeah, yeah you got me. Um, you, you put your, your hands in the cookie jar. That's it. That's yeah. the worst case scenario. Um, so, so this is, I will bring it full circle though, to bring it back to DC. Um, this is the kind of thing that might happen, especially against a, a target forward, like Adam Buxa, um, if Russell Knauss is used as a, a center back, this is, you know, the downside to giving away that much height and physical strength. Um, Cause it's not like Knauss is, is, Knauss is not tall, but he is very strong for his size. But at a certain point, there's just a leverage issue that you can't make up for when you're going up against six foot three target men. Um, And, you know, maybe if he is, maybe if we're talking about another guy about Knauss's size, getting that fistful of jersey, maybe Knauss doesn't fall. But because it's a guy that's much, much larger than him doing this, um, it's not a help. Um, And so this is something that if DC has to go this route, anymore this year which probably they're not going to have to but you you never know um 2020 has been nothing if not strange so we shouldn't rule anything out um but yeah this is something that the other team is going to look at and say like okay let's play let's make sure our big guys like if they've got any sort of which forward should we start they're going to start the big guy um they're going to send the big guy out if they expect canals to be starting and that's just you know that's going to be the difficulty of it and you know just like it worked pretty well in the previous game, it does come with a risk. And this is that risk is that you're going to get the target man trying to specifically to be physical against him whenever he can get one-on-one against him, which he's going to be trying to do over and over again. Right. And the whole team will be focused on that one, one battle. Right. Uh, one guy who did have a, a good night for DC United was Edison Flores. Um, Ray has got his first two assists for, for DC United. He the got first credited one. this time. Yeah, he uh, got credited. He yeah, he should have gotten assist. Yeah, um, that was ridiculous that he didn't get credit for that one. I don't know who at Opta or the league makes that call, but they screwed that one up. But this time, yeah. no question. I actually tweeted, and this is on Rivas' um, goal uh, in the last game where yeah, against, the uh, against the crew where yeah. where Flores's little back heel flick sets Assad up into space to to get the the primary assist but I actually tweeted from the podcast account give Flores yeah. the hockey assist you cowards and they are cowards because they did not do it well, yeah, <laughs> I mean we kind of had like during this game speaking of almost not to go too far away from Flores but uh Griffin Yao's goal um watching on the revs broadcast uh because the geofence is suddenly being enforced in a new way uh <sighs> And so the Revs were convinced, like they were even in the second half, were like, I think this should be an own goal. I don't know, guys. And it was like, uh, it's a goal bound shot. Like that, the rules right. are clear on this. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's going to get saved, it doesn't matter. It was on goal. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, the, the deflection just sent it into the roof of the net. It was not that right. Griffin Yalchot was going wide. He deserves his goal. And he, fortunately, on this one, at least, um, we don't have a credit issue. It's just, it's clearly being given to him. Right. Um, taking it back to, to Eddie flowers with his two assists. Um, the first one was, was really gorgeous, smart play by Flores. And it's, it's not even the assist. That's necessarily the the best part of this play. He didn't, it wasn't like tremendous skill. 
Um, Jordi Reyna is running up the center of the field on a, a counterattack. The Rebs are very, very fast, and they start getting numbers back. So he checks it up and just plays it uh, into the half space um, for, for Flores, who has a couple of guys, has a runner off to the left that he can uh, could play the ball to, but sees Assad just off the back shoulder of, of Tommy McNamara at the far post, and he... Flores just makes one little juke to set up uh, the cross and sends a perfect curling ball mm-hmm. out, out of the reach of, of the goalkeeper and just right onto Assad's foot to, to volley at home. It was, it was a thing of beauty. Just the, the calmness of Flores in the moment to not see Assad waving for the ball and immediately just hit something in that direction, but to make sure he had his body right and his feet right and hit a really good ball. Um, that was really nice to see was that kind of composure from Flores. And I think we've seen more of that um, specifically since Ashton took over and he's been able to get on the ball more. Yeah. And I think it's also uh, like, I think it's definitely partially Ashton. Uh, uh, (laughs) And I think it's also partially like he's back from injury and he's getting used. He's finally like, we we know that. Yeah. We know that uh, players coming from outside of MLS require some time to get, acclimated to mls it's a weird physical league with weird refs and it's it it can take a minute to get used to and then when you're out because of injury for uh months when you're out because of the league is shut down for months and you can't train with your teammates it's it it pushes both of those things push everything back so to start to see edison flores uh uh providing assists and and really starting to get into it is only a good thing going into uh, 2021. I mean, it's good for this season it, it, with the, the slim chance that DC United could make the playoffs, but it's especially better for, uh, for next year. And, and what I'll throw in to just to, to back that up is just that the, the nature of when Flores has missed games, you know, he plays two and then the whole league shuts down for months on end. And then you have the weird MLS's back games, which were, you know, DC took such a defensive approach and was clearly like, we're not going to try the stuff we were trying back in preseason. We're abandoning all that. Um, and so the, he played in those games, but he didn't, he wasn't really being asked to do what I think the team had planned for him um, because the whole thing was very low block, very defensive. Um, and that wasn't, what the plan was supposed to be coming into this year. Um, but then he come, we finally come back to play after another break. Um, he came in off the bench and then he started against the revs. He ends up with a fractured cheekbone and then he misses out for a long time. So if we try and apply the normal logic of like new player comes to MLS and it, we always say it takes half a season. That's always yeah. the thing people always say, well, we haven't going even back years. To, right. And so, if we if we incorporate every single appearance he has, he's only got 12, which means we aren't even halfway through a normal MLS season. Halfway would be 17. Right, um, exactly. And then if we start to look at the context of this, where what what Fits good did yeah. what good did playing the first two, two games of the season? How Nothing. much did he really learn that he could then carry over and apply through repetition uh, towards now? So those games I think have a lot less importance. And so we're really starting to see Flores come on in part because he's finally getting game in and game out uh, starts after so many months of basically being a guy that's on the team, but we barely see him because of these various, you know, the injury or the stoppages or 
trying to make sure we don't run him into the ground during COVID when no one's actually healthy. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely it's a big deal, I think, to see him getting something done before the end of the year. Um, the fact that now he's played a major role in three goals and and like like Adam, like you were saying, um, this goal is a lot, a lot Edison Flores and not a lot of much of much of anyone else. Yamil Assad does really well to stay on side and guide this rather than smash it he's just trying to make sure it gets in um but flores does so much work to open up the angle and play this perfect ball that um this is why uh ashton is playing him out on the wing is to have a chance generating player in this sort of position and i also um i want to credit him as well for the late arriving run um because mm-hmm. he wasn't he wasn't booking it to get up even with Jordi Reyna in part because he saw that the Rebs had a few guys get back early and then there was a gap between their second wave. And so he just sort of stayed in that gap. Um, and so instead of sprinting and being being early, but also being marked, um, he stayed alive in the play by simply keeping pace with it, but not sprinting. And therefore he stays in a big pocket of space that the Rebs never really, because everyone's scrambling. No one's really paying attention at where they should set up. So his pocket of space never really disappeared on him. And that's why he's open to make the pass that he did. Yeah. I, so in, in basketball, there's this concept of the, the secondary fast break where the, the initial run straight to the basket is, isn't on, like you're not going right. to get it. And so you, you find a trailer and you end up with a wide open three pointer or a, a, a easy bucket. This was kind of the soccer version of that, that secondary counter where the first one gets cut off, but you keep the attack on. You don't just recycle the ball. You you keep the attack on. You find an angle, and it was great. I I'm really happy that they that that Flores is you know off the mark on on assists anyway, um, and and hopefully it means he's you know he'll keep going. I know progress is never in a straight line, but it, it was a it was good to see him get going and have a, a really good influence on the game. His second assist uh, was just a. a a square ball to to Rivas for uh, what what was the game tying goal for for a time. Um, <sighs> mostly, I want to talk about how Rivas only scores second touch goals. Uh, <laughs> he, he takes one touch to settle and then just blasts it through the back of the net. I mean, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm not complaining. Yeah. Uh, can we throw in that this is a goal from a throw in uh, after that's right harp, harping on DC giving up throwing goals so often. This was one where. DC gets a throw in after a corner kick. Uh, Donovan Pines actually stays uh, stays up for this one because of the scoreline. Um, and uh, that's where, you know, the Revs were very upset. They felt like McNamara got fouled by Pines, um, which maybe they did, but also we talked about the penalty kick already, so I don't really want to yeah. hear it. Um, right, exactly. But uh, yeah, for Rivas now, all of a sudden... Um, these are kind of big goals as far as DC DC's future goes, because um, if you're looking at the roster next year um, and and I'm of the opinion, we'll we'll have plenty of time to talk about it. I'm of the opinion that DC doesn't need wholesale changes. They need to just tie the group together in a few key spots. Um, they, they, They need to sign a rug that'll just tie the room together. Yes, they need their rug, and they don't have one right now. And when you right. don't have one, you struggle. Maybe you smash your, you crash into a dumpster, or you get beaten up by a, a pornographer's henchman, um, or just none, a bunch of, or there's just a bunch of nihilists, and right, and that's never good. Um, so yeah, uh, they need their rug, I think. But 
one thing that that means though is when you start looking at like well where can they make some changes and where should they make some changes um if you're looking at Helman Rivas being a consistent source of goals in this sort of role where he's not necessarily the starter though the fact that he's in better form than the other strikers means he might start this must win game which right. you know I don't know how else how better to define a starter than well who did you choose when you had to win um but the fact is that maybe he's not a full-time starter on a playoff grade MLS team, but the fact that he is a consistent goal option uh, in a secondary role, playing slightly different, uh, a slightly different style than the other strikers available, that's an extremely good thing. And that's the kind of thing that will keep him around for next year. Um, and if you're starting to say, well, like, well, if we're going to keep him and let's assume that we're going to keep the faith in Sorga developing because he's so young, and then you've got Jordi Reyna and Edison Flores as guys that can play underneath. Well, you start to circle in pretty quickly on the odd man out in this group is Ola Kamara. Um, and I think Kamara's still, I think Kamara can still score goals, but you have to put him in the right system. And maybe DC United's next coach doesn't want to play that way. And um, maybe they trade him to free up the salary and then sign exactly. somebody else. Yeah, exactly. Because if you're the most expensive guy in a group of forwards and also the one that is maybe has the the least argument for how you finish the season as far as your role within the group. Um, that makes it pretty vulnerable. And if you, you know, if you're looking at the MLS cap, where are you going to make the room? That's probably a pretty big yeah. uh, thing. Now, if, if the coach comes in and is like, no, 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 I know exactly what to do with this guy. Don't worry about sure. it. Then sure. But um, it is a situation to watch. I think the fact that Rivas is giving uh, United some sort of alternative uh, and not just like, well, he's playing really well, but he's not scoring. He's actually scoring now. Um, yeah. And that kind of, you know, it makes it a tough call for, for the group for sure. Speaking of the new coach um, and specifically how they might relate to Ola Kamara, Ezra Henderson is, uh, or Hendrickson, former DC United player uh, who is apparently favored to make the short list of of coaches he's currently an assistant i think at columbus uh um, yes so i don't know if he was at columbus with greg berhalter or not but if he was you would think that he would have some experience with ola kamara and with greg berhalter being uh presumably one of his coaching mentors could he, he was not it, he was not with the crew he was not okay he, so never mind now, my whole he, line of thought he was hired by Caleb Porter when Porter became the cruise coach last year. Gotcha. Mm. Okay. So never mind that whole train of thought. <laughs> instead, focus on the fact that DC United uh, has spoken with, with Ezra Hendrickson and he, he seems likely to make the short list um, along with Chad Ashton, according to Steve Goff's reporting. Um, Which, and go ahead. I mean, I'm just going to say like the fact that the team is responding in the way it is, um, it hasn't been perfect. Uh, I don't think it's been like an absolute masterclass in coaching. It's been a lot of like, let me get back to the basics here. Let me give the guys, you know, let me lighten the load on the guys a little bit um, and let them play the way they want to play. Um, you know, take some chances, see what happens. Um, and maybe to a certain extent, that's what the group needed uh, was just a, a lower stress load on themselves. Um, but yeah, I, I think the fact that the team has done this well, up to now you kind of you have to give him at least the the interview yeah um, it's a even if you don't really plan to hire him unless he just knocks your socks off with a totally developed plan to win everything in the next several years hmm. um 
it, you have to give him at least a courtesy interview and, um, and talk to him because he's obviously got some coaching chops to be able to, to turn a team around like this. Um, even if the bar for playoffs is low, the, the team was, was so bad this year. Um, and yet they're, they're in with a shout right now. So, uh, I mean, sure. Give him an interview, but I, I, no, I I don't think failure if they, if they hired him. Right. I think it would, it would take a lot, but you got to talk to him about it. Right. Sure. Sure. And I mean, unless they make a run where they win MLS cup or do something significant in the playoffs, but right. And yeah, it's like, I know a lot of, um, a lot of us nerds were not huge on the idea of hiring Jill Ellis because not, not because of sexism, but because uh, her reviews as a manager, especially tactically were pretty poor. Her players said we won in spite of her. Yes. not because of her um, on the women's national team. And she's never done coached a club team. She's never dealt with having anything but a major talent surplus over literally every team she would ever play, um, at least at, at a high level. So there's a lot of concerns. Still, you need to interview her. If Jill oh, yeah, Ellis she, is willing yeah. to speak to you about the job, you talk to Jill Ellis about yeah, the if job. You're, if you're an MLS team that doesn't have a coach right now and – the only person to win a senior level world cup in this country's history is like, sure. I'll talk to you guys. Um, then yeah, you, you say, okay, when, when are you available? You don't say, yeah. oh, I don't know. Um, but I'd yeah, much rather have Jill- to say, at, at, yeah, I would rather, have I'd Jill- much rather have Jill Ellis than Chad Ashton. As a head coach. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's right. Um, but the, if Chad Ashton, you know, at this point with the way they've responded, you talk to him, you, you give him the interview and you see, sure what he has to say about what he thinks the future of the team at this point, some of that is also just getting perspectives about the direction the team should go. Even mm-hmm. if you don't hire somebody, they might have an idea or a kernel that is worth thinking about chewing on, building on whatever. Um, Adam, before, before we move past this, I need to tell you something specifically. Um, okay. I'm looking at Ezra <laughs> Hendrickson's um, uh, Wikipedia page to get a, a just to get the timeline on when he got out of coaching and the year before he joined uh, before he got into MLS, which he was, he started in 97. um, But his last club before he got onto an MLS roster was the new Orleans riverboat gamblers. Oh um, goodness. Which is a a real team that I remember existing. (laughs) I had Um, no idea that was a thing. If anyone has some old new Orleans riverboat gambler gear, please send it it our way. Is there is their mascot better or worse than Ace Purple? Uh, this is how there's only this, one answer to that. So this is how I far mean worse. Back we're talking. Yes, yes. This is how far back we're talking. If you look up New Orleans uh, Riverboat Gamblers, first of all, it will redirect to New Orleans Storm because they were renamed um, before sure. then folding soon thereafter. Uh, yeah, sounds about but right. Also, the, oh, the that Wikipedia storm logo page, is so bad. I'm sorry. The Wikipedia page does not come with a logo for either the storm or the riverboat gamblers. It just doesn't have an image. Um, so you have to have to actually go, uh, I guess, go do a Google image search for, for them because uh, uh, it's not coming part- up on Google image. Oh, there right. it is. It's a black and white logo. Okay. Uh, it looks like a pen drawing. It is. Oh, oh no. It is really bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it looks like the riverboat um, wheel that is associated with riverboats. Okay. Uh, that is, the center of it is a giant soccer ball. Oh, well, you gotta. And then two thirds of it is the word New Orleans and the rest of it is the paddles. I, I appreciate it's, that 
it says riverboat in a in a smaller font because it seems like they just box themselves in space wise and we're like well what we know what the important part of this is two can be big which one do we want and they chose gamblers and so riverboat is compressed and gamblers yeah. is big and they wouldn't on a ribbon in front of this that is kind of taking the place of the water yes and then there's a smokestack um because riverboats were were you know they were steam driven so you have a smokestack behind the the new orleans and the soccer ball wheel but there's no boat <laughs> i, I want to give them credit for being very specific to some riverboat gambling things or at least some riverboat things um, i want to point out there is no boat in this no it boat. is a smokestack uh, and a wheel adam, adam, and if the adam, boat adam, is hidden the ball, then the the wheel ball is, sideways. is the boat no the ball is clearly the wheel no, the wheel is on on the side of the ball. Look, I, I, it's I, like I, one I of those. You know how wheels wheel. work; they go around these, a central point. Right, but it's one of like these hamster wheels where it's all the hamster is inside, but also moving it. The ball so is the boat, the boat and the wheel. A, so it's a spherical boat. Yeah, that paddles around the outside. It, yeah. it's it's like the the bubbles you can, you know. Yes, exactly. Uh, maybe this yes. is a fun activity you can do. While riverboat gambling, or is then it what is the smokestack? I don't. We need to get out of this. <laughs> it wouldn't be a filibuster if we didn't go into uh, uh, niche pre MLS soccer teams. <laughs> Washington Warthogs, we're here for you. Um, what do you guys want to see against Montreal? Who do you want to see on the field for DC United in this? As Jason said, must-win game. I think he. I, I agree with Jason that that. Helman Rivas needs to be on the field. Um, I, I assume Frederick Briant and Donovan Pines will be at center back. We don't know if Joseph Mora will be back at left back. Currently, um, currently reported by Steve Goff as questionable. Same with Chris Duiatchem. Yeah. Also, also with questionable with his Paul Areola. Do you want to see Areola start? The, no, the, not start. No, I, yeah. I want him to see. I want to see him play the last thirty minutes. He's been cleared to train. It looks like he's going to be in uniform, according to Steve Goff. I mean, f it at this point. Like, if if he's up to it, I don't want to see him re-injured. Like, if there's any chance of him getting injured from things that DC United can predict, then shut him down and don't do it. But if he's yeah. ready to play, then uh, give him. 20 minutes give him 30 minutes 10 minutes probably not worth it but give him 20 30 minutes if he's if he's up for it i i think the 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 team doctors have surely especially with their not up until very recently there was no reason to push him there was no yeah exactly of like the season appeared to be over so i feel like the context of the situation gives us no real reason to think that he's been out for um too long we're talking about now uh over or I think we're into nine months or almost nine months to the dot um, since he got injured, which is more than enough time to do a full recovery. Um, and, you know, yeah, I, I think if he's available, uh, you do have to look his way, um, especially if the game is close. The The emotional boost that that could give to the group would be pretty huge. Um, so, yeah, I think there are a couple different appealing reasons to bring him into this game. Um, but yeah, you probably shouldn't be starting him because then you've got to burn a sub and most likely you've got to burn it before halftime. So you're also burning yeah. one of your sub windows. Um, I kind of, I wonder, cause I remember his recovery, um, was ahead of schedule mm -hmm. from a very early point. 
in in his recovery from this uh to the point that we were all surprised by it and he's been training in cleats and has been featured in training videos for for weeks if not months at this point i'm curious if chad ashton's going to start him um i wonder if they've been holding him out of games more out of a as a precaution but he's actually got fitness um more fitness than jason's microphone certainly as it topples yeah. over again right i, I want to explain <laughs> right before we got started i was complaining about my stupid microphone and it's failing and right before we got started i found a a very ad hoc solution which was to take a nail clipper and sit it vertically so that it would sit up under the microphone to prevent it. The, the weight of the microphone is pushing the legs down and they are not strong enough to hold that up. So they're falling. And I figured if you put a fourth leg in there, um, it will stay up for long enough. But I guess over a long enough period of time, uh, things shifted just enough so that the balance of it was just off canter just a tiny bit and it fell over. Uh, and so the whole thing immediately hit the deck, um, which I've now... I just resurrected the same obviously insufficient cure for the problem to get us through the rest of the show. So we'll see if it lasts. So Jason's microphone has convinced me that starting Paul Ariel is a bad idea. Okay. Um, <laughs> leg go. injuries are very real. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised like if they've been holding him out, not because of their concern for, for it, but because the games have been, you know, it, it's been such a long shot to make the playoffs, but now win and you, you have an okay chance. Like, Chicago is going to potentially struggle against NYC, uh, Atlanta at Columbus, and you know whatever happens with Miami. As long as those two games go fine, then DC United has a chance. It's, M- it's Adam, Adam. It's Adam. MLS. I understand. It's MLS. It's none of those games will go fine. It'll okay. probably end up like Cincinnati wins, but the other two teams that we need to win don't. Yeah, uh, we'll I get mean, into those more. But there's definitely yeah. one to worry about more than the others. Um, yes. <laughs> But, but yeah. you know, DC United has a margin in those games, uh, which we'll get into in the next segment. But I wouldn't be surprised, like, in a must-win game if Paul Ariola starts the game. I, I, I don't think I would do that, but I think it's it's within the realm of possibility with the way his recovery has gone. Um, where do you want to see, uh, assuming Ariola starts on the bench, where do you want to see Emil Assad? In this, do you want to see him in central midfield or do you want to see him on the right? I want or Knaus, on the bench. I want Canals in, in central midfield. So I'm, I'm, yes. I, I'm guess I'm thinking. Uh, see, I don't know. Now we can, can Moreno can can Moreno go another game? Like, how is he not? Well, this dead? is a full week, so we, we aren't talking yeah. about the the rotation <sighs> thing that we've been dealing with. Um, I mean, still six days, whatever. Um, he's, he's he's played fourteen trillion games no, a full this week. year. The game I know it's a full. I oh, know right, it's a right. Yeah. No, it's t- <laughs> we're all talking uh, over each other. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, th- I think we do have a, an issue here, which is that if you do move Assad out of the middle and he does stay in, and I think he probably does deserve to stay in, um, where do you place uh, Edison Flores? Because or, Gre- or, Gre- or Gressel, right? Gressel's yeah, back. Gressel's back. Fresh. Um, so yeah. scored a goal in the last game and played right. pretty well. But... Yeah. This is the first time in quite a long time where DC has an actual selection issue where it's like, we have a bunch of guys that have a reason to get on the field. Um, I kind of think this means Flores is a forward for this game to alleviate some of that. Um, yeah. 
but uh, I am I am curious to see because you know Jordy Reyna had his moments in this last game, uh, especially coming back from being out for a while, um, where you have to respect that as well. But yeah, I think I think it's Rivas and Flores as a forward duo, and then uh, Gressel and Assad out on the right and the left. But if you told me it's going to be Flores uh, playing on the right where he got an assist uh, out on the right wing in this game against the Rebs. Um, not that he was there for long, but he was there for a moment and he made something happen. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't complain too much though. You know, Gressel's also played well. Uh, so who knows? This is a tough one to call. And it's not like previous weeks where it was like, well, this has to be the lineup because what else can they do? Right. I think I like Reina better as a starter than a sub. Mm-hmm. I think he's performed better um, from the opening whistle than he has when he's come in later in the game. So I so, kind of wonder whether we see him up front slash dropping in as into a four two three one. However, they play with with Flores on the left, and then we saw Assad shift out to the right. Um, yep. In in this game, which he hasn't played a lot of the right side, but he obviously can do it. Um, or if we see Assad centrally with either Canals or Moreno. I don't know. Um, especially so, given Adam, Montreal can attack but not defend. It's I, I do know. The answer is because don't have a lot of defenders healthy, have a lot of attackers healthy. Wait, two, are you three, saying... five. <laughs> yes, I, I'm always here for a two three five. I thought you were gonna say Bobby Warshaw is right and we should play Yamil Assad at fullback. Um, no, 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 no. Two three five. <laughs> two three five I like better. Uh, I like that a lot better. Yeah. 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 Always. I'm always here for a two, three, five. You know me. Yeah. Riverboat gamblers and two, three, five. That's where I live. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> I, I have no better way to end this segment than, than right there. So we'll, we'll call it. Please stick around. We'll have Alicia Rodriguez in the next segment. This is filibuster. All right. Say you're at work and, uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh to assert your rights in that situation whether a boss mistreated you you were fired unfairly uh or 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 something worse happens ben in the district of columbia and northern virginia you know who to call right yeah you called the ehrlich law office because you have rights that's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, if you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper, and you're dealing with a, a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster welcome back to filibuster the black and red united podcast dc united will play their final game of this anything but regular season Sunday afternoon hosting Thierry Henry's Montreal impact. Of course, the black and red will need some help on decision day to get into the playoffs above the line. Two we spots remaining help, in, by the way, like literally hey. as you're saying this. Go Minnesota. And, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I'm I'm distracted now because I'm I'm watching it as well. Anyway, <laughs> peek behind the curtain there. Um, they'll need some help to get into one of the last two playoff spots in the Eastern Conference. Here to help us break down the permutations and the games involved, our very good friend Alicia Rodriguez. Welcome back to Filibuster. Thanks, guys. I, it feels like a real season because I got to talk to you again. So thank you so Aww. much for speaking yeah. right before the end. Even if we didn't well, get to we... play any of the California teams. Yeah, we have so many more teams that we can bring you on to talk about now and played none of them this year. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm kind of upset. So I'm glad, we, didn't get I'm glad to play. we found this reason. And I'm kind of upset we didn't get to play the earthquakes this year. Yeah, they're a lot of, uh, they're a lot of fun. They, they shake, rattle, and roll like the earthquakes <laughs> of real life. Although especially, or also like, I mean, the, the, the game you, against did... New England was kind of like an earthquakes game yeah, from both teams' perspective, really so. Was. Or even to play the uh, GBS Galaxy. Uh, rest in peace to the GBS Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. Well, anyway, before we get into the games, Alicia, what are you drinking? Um, I'm drinking La Croix. I have a limoncello flavor, which is delicious. Um, Sounds uh, good. I, I told you guys before we started recording, I'm technically working, so I can't. I don't feel good about partaking in uh, adult beverages until usually I start drinking the last hour of my shift and we're not there yet. So um, yeah, not, not yet time, but um, this La Croix will tie me over for the time being. Did you there have you anything, go. did you have anything good last night? Um, I had a whiskey mule in a can that was pretty good. There's a company in uh, San Diego that makes canned cocktails that are actually mm. good. So okay. Okay. Um, that was the, the latest offering that I had of theirs. And I'm very lazy. I would prefer to just crack open a can and drink whatever's in there. So it, it suits the purpose. You want to shout like out, it. do a little buzz marketing? Uh, Cutwater Spirits is the name of the company. Um, yeah, I've had, a, I think, three different uh, cocktails of theirs so far. And so far, so good. Nice. This Great. feels like something that would have been on the Jetsons. Yes. <laughs> Well, except you wouldn't even have to open it. There, you'd press a button. Well, sure, but you know, first you've got to you. be able to create the liquid before you can uh, automate it to that point. I don't know that that's true. You're just going to chance it with a robot spraying a, a an attempted cocktail at you in the Jetsons, a hundred percent. Oh man, good luck. <laughs> Cut uh, to Adam is on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, before we get into the games, here's the situation for DC United, currently in 13th place in the Eastern Conference, chasing Montreal, chasing Montreal, Chicago, Atlanta, and Miami for those ninth and 10th spots, those, those extra playoff spots this year in the Eastern Conference. Uh, at the, for DC United's part, they have to beat the Montreal Impact. And if you want to read more about these permutations uh go check out jason's article on blackandredunited.com he broke them all down uh like he tends to do and then everyone in the dc united media world linked to it and retweeted it so it's good stuff go read it um dc united need to beat the impact and they need to get two out of three of the other teams to drop points or basically you know get get a favorable to dc outcome out of those games. One of them is happening right now as we record this. And as Jason alluded to, Chicago is currently beating Minnesota two to one right now. We need that to change uh, going forward, but we'll, we'll come back to that game. Let's, let's start in uh, Columbus, Atlanta United versus the crew. Um, 
both of these Atlanta, we know have been struggling all, all season, Alicia and the crew were flying high and then, uh, you know, have been brought back down to earth as, as we talked about on this show recently, because DC United play them. What do you see happening in this game? We need Atlanta to lose basically, or just to even a draw, I think would work for, for DC. So where do you see this game going? How is it going to play out? Well, I'll preface this by saying, I, I mean, more than any other season, you really cannot predict anything, you know, with any kind of certainty at this stage, right? Like, I mean, MLS at the best of times is a toss up any given week. And then on top of that, we have the weirdness that's 2020, which is completely bled through to the season itself. Um, so having said that, um, I think Columbus is going to want to be in their best form. Um, last I checked at the scores, they were tied up with, oh no, they're actually, oh, they're behind um, Orlando as we're recording this. Um, so they're going to want to win on the last day so that they have some momentum going into the playoffs. Um, they're going to be pushing big time. Obviously Atlanta's going to want a, a playoff spot, but they don't have like Joseph available to, you know, pull them through in a game. So, you know, all things considered, I would definitely give the edge to Columbus going into that game. The the thing I would throw in on top of that uh, to to sort of back that up is that uh, Columbus has gone eight wins, one loss, and zero draws at home this year. Um, th- like all of their points are home points. They they are actually pretty bad on the road, but this is a home game for them. Uh, so I would really hope that they can um, the good version of the crew uh, shows up because the lately I've seen the bad version of the crew in a few of these games. It hasn't been encouraging. But uh, they've also, those have been road games, I feel like. So hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, and, and given that disparity, you know, the crew are really going to want to take all the points on this one. If they don't, they're at a risk to fall down to, to fifth place because NYC is, is nipping at their heels there and they could um, lose that extra home game that could be uh, in the, the conference semifinals. So um it's weird to say go crew, but go. You got to say go crew here. Um, I like my but, home state. I, I like my home state team. I like I, uh, this means they, nothing, but I, I like the yellow jerseys. I, I mean, but they were black at first, home. But I know, but show, we need Ben's home state teams to come up kind of big, um, right? Yeah, really big in this in the second case, like <laughs> right. major upset. Like, yeah, my uh, hometown need, team really needs to do a good job. We need Cincinnati to channel the energy from last year's decision day game uh which feels like a million years ago when they had nine men for half the game and held dc united scoreless we need them to do that in miami because if miami wins they're going to um stay ahead of of dc united so is there any chance that happens alicia please say yeah i mean miami is all over the place like i think we thought that nashville was going to be the expansion team that would you know be pretty rocky this season they've actually been pretty consistent and I mean, bearing in mind that you have somebody like um, Gonzalo Gonzalo Higuain, I always get the Higuain brothers confused. Um, well, they well, no, they're both, now. They're both on Miami they're now. Both on team, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Gonzalo had a great run, but he's, you know, probably not a game breaker at this point in his career. Uh, Gonzalo can be a game breaker, and could he potentially carry them to a win? He definitely could. Will he? Or, I don't know, man. I, I really don't know. Um, they're just so, I feel like Miami, like, 
honestly, they never really got their roster completely put together. And in part, I think the the transfer window being uh, disrupted really screwed them because I think they had big plans. And even though they brought in some big names uh, this summer, they just never really got their roster completely like set. Like they, I think they were planning to, um, and you know, it's, it is what it is, but I, I also, I, I think they probably could have done quite a bit better if they had actually had the proper runway and they had had the opportunity to use the, the transfer windows the way they you know intend to go and and it hadn't been completely disrupted so yeah I think uh, Cincinnati definitely has a chance but also Cincinnati is you know week to week I mean come on you know right. it's really they're definitely a work in progress let's put it that way there, there's a reason they're favorites to repeat as wooden spoon holders I'm grateful it's not us but um I really wish Miami was facing a, a stiffer challenge <laughs> than Cincinnati on on this one who knows maybe they they channeled that that energy which they apparently still talk about i went on a cincinnati podcast and referenced that and they they all like were like yeah we talk about that it's our sparta moment i was like oh man i don't want to be anybody's sparta moment so adam you're you're actually wanting them to go down to nine men i don't if that's what it takes for them to hold miami i'll is that the secret of mc cincinnati is they they could play can only play at their best if they only play with nine and they the best they can shoot for is zero zero. They're they're like a pool shark, um, but a really bad one who lets you take balls off the table to clear out space for you. But they they lose the analogy is completely wrong. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. How does pool <laughs> end in a draw? Does uh, the game never end? Maybe I don't know. Because that doesn't. Well, what do you say? It just never. <laughs> How can you draw a game of pool? Yeah, uh, I think a, a brawl that clears the pool hall or the the saloon is probably what does it. <laughs> Yeah, a gun, a gunslinger pushing those those double doors open, and if everybody, yeah, I think you're right. Both if players everybody gave up. <laughs> just like we're both bad at this, let's leave. If everyone's That's how just high like, school games of pool end. If everyone's just like, hey, let's just eat some Cincinnati chili and not play soccer anymore. <laughs> They're in Miami, Ben. Adam, there's no you, skyline chili in Miami. To my Adam. Knowledge. You've met Cincinnatians. They'll just bring it with them. What's the proper conveyance? I mean, you can buy it in cans. Okay. I was not expecting cans to be the answer to that. <laughs> but okay, I accept it. Yeah. You know, me. I mean, can you have a robot open the can for you of Cincinnati chili? What? Yeah, why not? Because we don't live in the Jetsons world. I wanted to make sure that that was safe. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, you know, it's not chili. It's not actually yeah, chili. We already it's have spaghetti sauce. Burns. So, oh, and uh, can opening technology, we saw so maybe that, that affects things. And also, there is a skyline chili in Fort Lauderdale. Wow. <laughs> Which is I'm actually where the stadium is. So. Right. Uh, the snowbirds, I guess. Yeah, right? exactly. Yep. Yeah. They're, they're, they're in Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, and Florida. This is like yep. a Tim Hortons being being down there. At a certain point, all the other companies were like, you know, if if it works for them, right? <laughs> so you can just get your fresh chili down there. So there you go. And go on record. Know. Tim Hortons is I hold in higher regard than Skyline Chili. I think that'll surprise nobody. If, um, if we ever do a podcast on the road in Miami, I feel like we have to go to the Fort Lauderdale Skyline Chili. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm, I will complain. I will complain the entire time. I will do it, but I will complain the entire time. Because you respect the bit, you'll have to complain the whole time. (laughs) You will actually do it. 
I will commit to the bit in all facets. Yeah. <laughs> the final team with a that DC United needs to to overtake or or you know needs to overtake some combination of these teams. The final one is the Chicago Fire, who are currently up two to one in the 76th minute in Minnesota. Um, we need the Loons to score another goal because if Chicago wins this or their game against NYCFC on Sunday, it really simplifies things and basically means DC United needs literally everything else to go right. Exactly. It's simple. It, it clarifies the situation and not in a good way. Um, to use the, the parlance of the week, it narrows DC United's path. Um, so uh, I guess, you know, we will, we'll know by the time this episode comes out on in people's podcatchers, what happens to Chicago here in, in Minnesota. Uh, Alicia, what are you looking for in their game against NYC on decision day? Uh, well, I mean, they've been really inconsistent all season. Um, clearly, most teams have been inconsistent all season. That's kind of a hallmark of the 2020 season overall. But I think Chicago more than most, um, you know, before they had Rafael Vicky as their coach, they struggled with consistency. And he really hasn't quite got got them back in, in gear um, so far this season. So, I mean, obviously they're pushing for a win. This If they win tonight, that's going to really give them the momentum and feel like, okay, we're almost there. We just got to finish the deal. Like we're, we're so close. Like this is, we're just about there. Um, yeah. I think so, they need you know, four points from these two games to guarantee a playoff spot, control their own destiny kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, obviously if they end up winning uh, on Wednesday, then they're, they're in a good spot and they're going to feel really good. Um, but NYCFC, they're like quietly starting to get some, you know, pick up a little bit of momentum themselves. Um, I've heard a little, little bit of talk of, you know, dark horse. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Um, I just think they've been really disjointed this season, but, and I also, I'm not that inspired by Ronnie Vila, to be honest, as their head coach. I think, um, I don't know. I think he has kind of a ceiling, but you know, this is a new league for him. So maybe he's a little bit better than I thought. Um, but there has been some chatter that maybe they're starting to get in, in gear. So it's not going to be an easy game, but I think, um, you know, the fire have to feel pretty decent about their chances, but they just, they've been kind of all, all over the place this season. So we'll, you know, we'll see as, as we say with all of these. Uh, and, and finally, of course, DC United and, and the Montreal Impact. Uh, Thierry Henry coming to town. The Impact are currently in ninth place. Um, totally in control of the their impact. own destiny. <laughs> ben is not looking forward to watching this game. Um, what, do you, what do you think about the Impact? Another team, I think, that's been um, consistently inconsistent this year. Yeah, this year and most years, frankly. But, yeah. um, you know, I think, I actually think that Henri has done a decent job of kind of trying to implement a style. And I think they're in a trend, like they're in a phase where they're kind of in the middle of getting that set. And so that's why the results are pell-mell every week and the lineups are all over the place because they're still trying to make some changes to the roster. And again, with the transfer window, like it's just sort of, what do we got here? You know, like some of his decisions this year have been really wild as far as lineups. Um, I do think that there's been some stability with Henri in, in, in place. Um, typically the public face of the impact was either like Didier Drogba or Marco DeVaio, or it was Joey Saputo, the owner. And whenever Joey Saputo was the face of the, of the, the team, 
there were constant drama, just like all the time. There was some sort of bubbling tension happening that's coming out. They're releasing bizarre statements. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't feel like that's a really good environment for an MLS team because that's just not part of the culture here. Um, and then I think with, with Henri in place, like he's kind of been like, okay, I'm the face of the team. Like let's cut out the nonsense and just get, get down to soccer. And I think, if they can stick with that, like if they can hold their nerve, I think that that's um, good for them in the long term. Um, but I also don't feel great about putting money on this particular game for either team. Like it's just such a, you know, like honestly, if it was five nil either way, I would be like, yeah, of course, like a total, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, which I again, I think just kind of tells you the story of the, you know, and this is this is not a surprise when you see. Uh, a playoff chase in any season like the teams that the that are fighting it on the last day there's going to be a couple wacky results there's going to be some score lines that you didn't predict there's going to be a team that surges that no one really saw coming um it's just a matter of like which which of those teams is it going to be and that's the I mean I think in both conferences uh we obviously have some favorites in those mixes but it's honestly like a you know like in the western conference I cover the western conference right now and like the Galaxy are in a similar position to DC United. Like they could do the same thing where they could win out. Maybe, you know, maybe then they get into the playoffs somehow and it would be pretty miraculous, but it, it's, it's still in play. So that's, that's what you want to have on the final day. Well, some good news here breaking. We're going to throw it over to Jason Anderson on the, the live update desk. Yeah. Robin Lud just, uh, of all things scored a header. Um, I didn't know they're just showing he had seven goals this year. I didn't think he was up that high. Um, but yeah, uh, cross from the right side, uh, one of Adam's kind of crosses, uh, in that it was, uh, early and, and driven rather than just sort of hung up there. Uh, Chicago is doing kind of the thing that they've done all year, which is that they play well for quite a while. And then somehow they're like, well, this is settled. Uh, we don't have to try anymore. And then things go wrong for them. Um, they are, I would imagine one of the most frustrating teams in the league to watch this year, <laughs> because, They've done this over and over again. This they made the loons look genre. really silly in the first half, and then yeah, they, the, have been Minnesota really pedestrian in this half. Um, uh, Minnesota looked awful at, at halftime. We talked about this before we got started. It was like, yeah, this doesn't look good. Uh, Minnesota just not playing. They just haven't shown up. Um, and some of that is they, you know, as MLS tends to MLS teams tend to do. You, you know you get stung and you feel bad and then you sort of try to pick it up. And since the other team isn't actually that much better than you, you can always catch up a little bit just by picking it up a little bit and uh, trying harder. Um, But also it does take to come back from two down. It does take some cooperation from your opponent and uh, which we'll talk about uh, (laughs) later, but uh, yeah, Chicago looks like they've completely switched off and now Minnesota's pushing for a third. That's right. Yeah. That would be really helpful. No matter what happens, we need um, we need Chicago not to win. Yes, these that's two, the main thing. Any, either of these two games, they can get two points, and that's fine. Uh, as far as DC United qualifying for the playoffs, well, uh, I mean, I th- oh, okay. It, if, if if they get two, then they get to twenty four. I was told okay, there would then, be no math. No, um, you weren't. And then, actually, no. If if Chicago, I'm sorry, Chicago, if they get to two then they get 24, but they've only got five wins, and D.C. would have – any way D.C. gets to 24 is six wins, so D.C. would finish ahead of Chicago on that tiebreaker. Um, 
right, so, so, yeah, that's so yeah, Chicago's the team that's it's okay if they don't lose both games. Um, whereas Atlanta and um, uh, Miami, it's just that they can't win. That's that's the yeah, yeah that's it. It's too many threads to try and keep in yes. in one person's uh, brain. Uh, I don't appreciate it, but it's it's what's going to happen. And if another game gets canceled, maybe it all gets switched to PPG. <laughs> well, right. this is the game that would have been canceled, right? And I guess any but, game can get canceled Adam, at any time. There's still more games that could get canceled. <laughs> yeah, we still have we still have four days until those games. There's plenty of time for for them to get canceled. Um, but this is the one that I think was the highest likelihood given Minnesota's right. recent outbreak yes. in their team. Um, Alicia, thanks for, for joining us. Anything else you want to hang out and talk about since we have time? Yeah, I can, I can talk a little bit longer if you guys want. I'm, I'm down. Cool. Let's, let's look at the the top of the Eastern conference for a minute. Why not? Um, Philadelphia just needs to take care of business to get the supporter shield. They had a chance last week. Are they going to do it this week? Are they actually going to, for the first time in their, their history, play a game with a trophy on the line and not lose? Uh, I mean, I hope so. You know, like I think that the union for as maligned as they've been over the years and as little money as they put in times into their team. Um, I think it's pretty impressive what they've built. Uh, they really decided to go all in on um, building through their academy. I think out of a mostly out of a desire to not want to spend a lot of money on transfer fees and big name players, but it's it's coming through for them now, and they're getting contributions out of those guys. So um, I think that's great. I think Jim Curtin seems like a lovely guy and a good coach. Um, so it'd be pretty cool if if uh, he got to raise a trophy with his hometown team. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's the the dismantling of Toronto FC or Jim Curtin uh, saying that DC United needs to put a statue of Ben Olsen out in front of Audi Field or their their structure or what, but they are weirdly rootable to me this year. And it takes a lot for me to say a team from Philadelphia is rootable yeah, I mean, in anything. We we didn't punch them in, uh, or they didn't punch us either. In there was no punching here, right? A rare a rarity of DC and Philly not trying to beat each other up. I mean, I remember Dero headbutting a guy in a preseason game yeah. against Philadelphia. It that things got weird and violent between the two teams, and but the fans were always really friendly, um, to the point that yeah. like we successfully combined to stop trying to or stopped MLS from trying to make this a a heated hated rivalry. Um, and now I'm like rooting for them and citing them as a model club. It's it's a the weird meh, situation. Meh, Darby, right? it's about right the i guess if we have to cup um what else are you what are you going to be what game are you going to be focused on on decision day either conference Uh, well i'm going to be i'm going to be focused on the california teams because they're all playing at the same time and i have to cover them all um so that's going to be a a busy evening um are they at least playing each other so that you don't have to four box or nope they're uh, (laughs) different teams so um, it'll be interesting because before, uh, this goes out, uh, we ha- we don't know what's happening in, uh, the LAFC San Jose earthquakes game on Wednesday. If San Jose wins, they are officially in the playoffs. Um, if they don't, then it's still up in the air, although they have their destiny in their hands. Um, it's a pretty remarkable turnaround because, uh, they had, uh, eight, uh, eight games in the, in the regular season 
winless run uh, the season looked like they were about it looked like they were about ready to fire Matias Almeida as their head coach. They weren't, but from the outside, it seemed, oh, it's time to fire him. Obviously, it's not working. Um, and what was remarkable is that throughout the slump, um, you know, we would ask the players, exhausted, upset after games, okay, what has to change? Like, what do you guys have to, you know, what needs to, what needs to be different, you know, in the in the organization? Hint, hint, hint. And they were saying, um, we need to do what Matias wants us to do better. And we're like, uh, okay, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> um, but actually, that's what happened. That's what, it, it, remarkably, um, they just started playing the style the way they were supposed to all of a sudden, and it worked. And um, now they're on the verge of, of reaching the playoffs. For a team like that, that hasn't um, had many playoff seasons in the last decade, uh, that would be a, a good accomplishment, a good benchmark for them. Um, and you got to think of. Uh, an elimination knockout tournament is really that style's natural habitat. Exactly. So they, they could make some noise. It could be fun. Yeah. I think we'll let you go. I know you have some, some other games to cover tonight. So thank you, Alicia Rodriguez, for joining us on, on Filibuster, one of our favorite guests every year. Uh, tell our listeners where they can find you online. Sure. Uh, the easiest spot to find me is on Twitter at Soccer Musings. I write for uh, several SB Nation sites. If you'll indulge me a moment to list them all off. Um, I cover uh, LAFC for Angels on Parade, the LA Galaxy for LAG Confidential, uh, the San Jose Earthquakes for Centerline Soccer, and bonus, uh, Sacramento Republic, future MLS team for Indomitable City Soccer. Awesome. All right, we're cutting in here before the outro to to talk about the ending of the Minnesota Chicago game. It ended two to two, uh, which is good for DC United. That's very good for DC United, as we were talking about with Alicia. Um, but the way this ended was astounding. Chicago should have won this game three to two, yeah. which would have been very bad for DC United. But they conspired to have a Beefed ball it. that was basically already in the goal on a, a corner kick. And they managed to have a guy standing on the goalpost who was offside, and he just had to get a touch on the ball so that he could claim the goal. He took he wanted the glory. The goal. He and he ran off like, yeah, I scored the goal. But no, you just took the goal away from your teammate, and also as a result, away from your team, um, and you cost your team two points. It's it, it was it was fantastic to watch, guys. And as a as a peek behind the curtain. Um, as this it was, this was off of a corner. As this corner was being taken, one thing we were talking about was like, well, you know, let's let's hope we have good luck for another like three minutes thirty seconds. Um, and then Chicago has the ball in the back of the net on that corner a- after that phrase was said. Um, and yeah, it's a situation where uh, the referees actually did a really good job to make a very difficult call correctly. Um, because where people were positioned, it was really difficult for any of them to get a good look at the fact that it's um, Robert Barrich getting a knee to a ball is the difference because the ball was going to go in. He didn't have to. He could have just stood there. Um, it's a selfish striker's mentality. Right. He, he uh, interfered in not. top because uh, it would have been Mauricio Pineda, their center back, would have been scoring his second goal of the night on top of it. Um and instead, he had to get in the way and beat him to the ball. Uh, and that is what's keeping two playoff spots available for D.C. instead of one. Because if that goal counts and Minnesota doesn't 
get a goal even later in stoppage time, which feels like probably is not going to happen. Um, then Chicago locks up at least ninth, and DC ends up walking in needing everything exactly like we said. Um, well, it's not that Chicago said, locks up ninth; it's that they are out of reach for DC United. Because right. Chicago, well, right. if they ninth, lose to NYC, they still could have fallen down. Someone. Um, yeah, but not yeah. us. Um, yeah. So effectively, it, it's as if ninth place doesn't exist. Uh, my the chart of my my standings that I've been looking at has cut out all of the teams that do not apply to this. So mm-hmm. everything right. above ninth is not happening, and everything below thirteenth is not happening. So FC Cincinnati may no longer exist. I don't know. Um, if you're if you're go to the top of the conference, if you are either more or less than a minimally competent. Eastern Conference team, you do not exist for Jason Anderson. Right. You, you can FC only Cincinnati... be a bad bubble team that might still get into the playoffs. <laughs> Although I've seen Cincinnati still exists a little bit because they can beat Miami, maybe. Well, if they do that, I will consider them minimally competent, making them exist for mm-hmm. Jason Anderson purposes. I, th- I think that's bold for FC Cincinnati. <laughs> we got to hope. All we have is hope at this point. Hope is a dangerous thing. Um, before I get into too many more cliches, thank you all for listening this week. Find us at blackandredunited.com, uh, at filibusterdcu for the podcast on Twitter, at blackandredu. You can support us financially at patreon.com slash filibuster. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Download, subscribe, rate, review wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly, though, tell a friend about the show when you are are settling in for your decision day watch party. Because, uh, I, I mean, we're all going to do that safely, of course. But uh, obviously, we're all going to watch decision day. So just tell a friend on the Zoom call or or wherever about the podcast. That's the, the the nicest thing you can do for us. For Jason and Ben, and thanking Alicia Rodriguez one more time. I'm Adam Taylor. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Good luck to DC and the Ohio teams. Everyone else, go screw. Here, here. <laughs>